0: Havilah Cunnington, and this is Havilah's podcast. Well, today we are continuing with our study of Leap Into Love. Now, for those of you that are just popping on and don't know what I'm talking about, we are hosting an online Bible study for 20 days for the month of January. We've been doing this, and there's probably about 25,000 people from around the world that are doing this study with us. And what it is, about 8 to 10 minutes a day. I walk you through the process of growing in self-confidence and um radical co- like self-love and how do we do that biblically? So we've had an incredible time. We actually are almost done with that part, but we didn't want our podcast family to miss out. So we actually threw in um, took the first session and we split it in thirds because it's a long session and we want you guys to have that. So go ahead tune in you're gonna we're gonna jump right into the second part of the teaching and the next the next podcast'll we'll go into the third part and then I'll catch you at the end. So the first evidence of self-rejection is the obsession with appearance. The obsession with appearance. Because all of these are fruit. They're never the root. So anytime we have an obsession with our appearance, you go, what does that mean? I like to look nice. I like to look nice too. There's nothing wrong with that. But this is when it begins to be dangerous is when our appearance has the final word over our value. When our appearance has the final word over our value, then we get into dangerous places where all of a sudden, I better be the cutest girl in the room or my value is going to fade. I better be the person that everyone's looking at or I will lose my importance. And for some of you, to be honest, because of your lack of love and acceptance in your life, that's all you had was your pretty face and your cute rear end. And I don't blame you for, for putting your weight in that because that's been your source of attention. But what I want to do is challenge you that you are more than a pretty face and you are more than a cute behind. And that you if you develop your inside just as much as your outside, then when your outside fades, you won't lose anything. And so we've got to be able to teach our women and our daughters this. And in an in a obsessed culture that spends time driving everything to appearance we've got to be the ones that have a different narrative for our women that say it is okay to age it is okay to gain some weight it is okay to nurture and mother it is okay to not look like a glossy magazine you be who god's called you to be and you are more than a pretty face you are a nurturing powerhouse come on you are a nurturing powerhouse and all of the bumps and bruises and lines and all of that has to do with me being a woman and so our obsession to cover up in our appearance often disguises a deep disgust for how we were created. I love what Matthew, the book of Matthew chapter 6 verse 27 says, and this is the message version. Now I'm going to throw a lot of scripture at you so you don't have to turn there, but I want you to write these, these verses down and spend the next week in these, in these verses. Get in there and dig in there and find out what else is saying in, these, in the word. But Matthew chapter 6 says, has anyone by fussing in front of the mirror ever gotten taller by so much as an inch? All this time and money wasted on fashion. Do you think it makes a difference? Instead of looking at the fashions, walk out in the fields and look at the wildflowers. They never primp or shop. I don't think they've ever been a target, but whatever. Whatever. But have you ever seen color and design quite like it? The 10 best dressed men and women in the country look shabby alongside of them. Self-rejection also shows up in our wrong priorities. Our wrong priorities. This is an area where I found that self-rejection showed up in my own life consistently, specifically in in my 20s. You see, self-rejection shows up in the decisions and the priorities that we make. I think about the rich young ruler in Matthew chapter 19, verse 22. It says that that was the okay so what's happening here I want to kind of give you is that he goes to Jesus and he says hey I've done everything you want me to do like I I, I'm 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 a Christian I'm like serving you know doing all the right I'm selling everything I'm giving things I'm like going to every Bethel church service I've signed up for every conference I'm on the ministry team I have a badge like I'm doing it all and God goes and Jesus looks at him and he says okay then I want you to sell everything you have and give it to the poor and come follow me. Now that in itself stops us in our, in our tracks like, okay, Jesus wasn't messing around. But, but I love what it says after because it says, and that was the last thing the young man expected to hear. And so Crescent Fallen, he walked away. He was holding on tight to a lot of things that he couldn't bear to let go. I think in our generation, a lot of women wear busy as a badge of honor. I think in our generation, we are told we can have it all. And the truth is we can't have it all. Now, don't t- I, I don't mean that we can't have a capacity to hold a lot. But if all we're trying to do is check off lists so that we can look like we have it all, then we will end up empty because we weren't created to do all things for all men. We were created to do some things for the men that God gave us. <laughs> Come on. And so it's really critical. The enemy loves to hide in your priorities. He loves to say, well, a good Christian would do this. And a good mom would do this. And a good wife would do this. And a good leader would do this. And what he does is he goes, if I can run you ragged, you'll be so tired. You won't be any use for me. You'll be running here and there. And one of the greatest tests in our character when it comes to who we belong to is when God says, let it go. Do we battle him for it? Or do we say, it was yours anyway? It was yours anyway. And you know what? Anything I say no to, if it's in your will, it will come back around. And this is a core truth I have lived by being a mom of four littles, four boys in five years. And I have lived in four, four kids in diapers, four C-sections in five years. I, I, I feel like I have lived through the war zone of infancy. I'll tell you what, if I was trying to keep up with everybody and everything, my kids would be, they would never see me they would know somebody else's mom, and my husband would not know me, and it would literally be like, I'm oh all, all over the place doing things, and so I've had to make a critical decision that I've, I'm the one that has to make the decisions that makes the life that God's called me to make. And I will disappoint people along the way. But it is my stewardship to own my marriage, to own my kids, to own my ministry, to own my job, to own my heart. It is my stewardship. And I cannot hold anyone else responsible for my lack of stewardship. And so what's critical in our lives is sometimes saying no is the exact thing God wants you to say. And part of the reason I'm asking, and this is why it all ties in, is why are you saying yes? This is critical. Well, I just want to make sure that I'm needed. Well, I just want to make sure that I'm worthy. I just want to make sure that there's a moment. Listen, God, again, will take care of you. Many of us are busy because we want to feel worthy, so we run the things trying to be needed. Many of us try to be seen, so we strive for position or with people we think are important so that we can feel important. Many of us feel like we want to be important, so we try and create a life that looks very important, very busy, and very strategic. And yet God is saying, will you lay down that whole prestige, would you lay it down and let me be the one who makes the call with you and trust, trust me in the middle of all that you are not gonna miss a thing when you belong to yourself. And the third area is extravagance. An extravagant lifestyle can be covered up for self-rejection and self-hatred. I think about that movie scene, you know, where it's like the 90s movie scene where the guy comes in and he was like the, the geek during school and then he pops into the reunion 20 years later and he's got the sports car and the girl in his arm and he's like, see, I proved it. And this is what happens in our lives. Oftentimes, we will try to utilize what we have to give people the impression that we're whole. We will try to utilize the position or even the, the power or whatever we have available to us, and we will use it so that we can say, well, if nothing else, I have a lot of money. If nothing else, I still got my body. If nothing else, I got the cutest husband. If nothing else, I mean, I. And what I want you to really realize is that, and what's critical is that extravagance, God is so into blessing us. I, there is, extravagance isn't negative. The Bible's all about living lives that are prosperous and that when we give, it will come back to us and we, that is all in the kingdom. But when we use extravagance to cover up the wounds of feeling significant in the room, that's when it begins to be dangerous. Fame doesn't equal self-acceptance and money doesn't equal self-worth. Matthew chapter 16 verse 26 says, for even if we, you, were, you were to gain all the wealth and power in this world with everything it could offer you at the cost of your own life, what good would it be and what could be more valuable to you than your own soul? That's what we have to ask ourselves is, it would I give up my whole soul just to gain what I want? The fourth area is difficulty loving others. We deal with self-rejection when we don't love others. When we are snobby, sorry, when we're clicky, when we don't have room for people at our table, when we wanna be, you know, I like them if they look like me and act like me and talk like me, but if you're not that, then I don't have time for you because I keep my, my team really lean and mean and you know, you'll, maybe, maybe you can fit somewhere else. And the truth is, is that if Jesus was walking on the earth, yes, he had his disciples. It doesn't mean that we have to let everybody sit at our table all the time. But it means it's the approach to life, how we respond to people. How do we rep- respond to the poor in spirit? Are we, sh- are we used to shutting them out or do we make room for them and say, I'm poor. I was poor in spirit once too. There's room. Wounded people, listen, hurtful people always have a root of self-rejection. I remember when I was a a young woman in my mom's house, my mom, we would have difficulties as teenage girls. Relationships are always kind of complicated, and I'm sure that none of you have ever had that, but being as a young woman, I remember my mom would have conversations with us, and, and she would always, 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 in the middle of everything, she would say, now girls, I want you to think about how they feel about this. I want you just to put yourself in their position. How do you think they're doing? And I used to hate it when she would do that. Like, I'm your daughter. Forget them. Let's talk about how they hurt me. But she was always trying to get us to shift perspective to realize that hurtful people often have a reason for being hurtful. People that gossip about you often have a reason why they gossip. It's not because they're just gossipers. It's because they're trying to fill in some gaps to make them feel powerful and superior. Gossip often is a weak man's strength. And the Bible says in John 13, 35, it says, by this, everyone will know you are my disciples if you have love and unselfish concern for one another. The fifth one, which is unique, but I want you to look at this, is excessive shyness. Now, I know some of you are like, "How? I'm an introvert. Leave me alone." But what I want to say is, it's not being an introvert or quiet or reserved. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is that you've allowed fear to keep you from accepting yourself. You've allowed the spirit of timidity to keep you quiet when you should be able to say something and you should be able to approach somebody and you should be able to be your full self. You you don't because it's really fear. It's not just being shy. It's grounded in fear. And 2 Timothy 1.7 says it so clearly. For God will never give us the spirit of fear, but the Holy Spirit gives us mighty power, love, and self-control. So those are external evidence. So if we were, we have like, we're like spiritual trees. Psalms talks about us being rooted and grounded and that we grow and we never, we never wither and that our fruit shows at all times, but not all the time, but at certain times. And so if you were to look at this in your life, you would see that, that all of those little signs of self-criticism or perfect or, uh, or, um, uh, extravagance or, or um, a session of appearance, easy for me to say, or all these things, you would see those are the fruit, but then there's like this internal part of us that's kind of the internal narrative that shows us we also have roots of self-rejection. So one of those would be self-criticism, self-criticism. These are the internal symptoms, and if you are always critical of yourself, then you have a root of self-rejection. If you are criticizing everything you do and you can never get it right and you always feel ashamed and you always feel, and, and you feel like you're getting beat up all the time by your inner man, then you know what? You have a root of self-rejection that God wants to expose and heal. Romans 8.1 says, so now the case is closed. There remains no accusing voice of the condemnation against those who are joined in life union with Jesus, the anointed one. There is now, I love this, now the case is closed. Stop opening the case. But you know what? We open the case because, well, we just have always been critical. We've just, it's gotten us this far. It's been a friend to us this long. It's always been that voice, that narrative that's kept us going and and given us maybe our own like drive. But what I want to say is don't let self-criticism be your drive because it will end up wearing you out. It'll end up leading you into things that God is not blessing or calling you into because he's just, you're over-criticizing. And what God wants to do is silence that voice so that you could be at peace and rest knowing I don't have to be afraid of myself when I'm all by myself. Secondly, is the comparison with others. The comparison with others. It's easy to assume, this is critical, it's easy to assume everyone else around us feels accepted but us. Come on, how many of you walked in the room tonight and you were like, oh my gosh, all these women think they're, they're great, they're, they got their seat, they got their people, and I'm wandering and I don't know anybody, and I got to come in here and I feel awkward. Let me tell you, most everybody in the room has a moment where they're like, I don't want to be here, I want to leave, this feels a little weird, it's normal. But what happens in comparison is we overvalue what somebody else is going through and we undervalue what we already have. And so we go, oh, well, they probably have it together. And we, make, we fill in facts and we make a lot of assumptions. And when, self, when we don't like ourselves, it's easy to idolize somebody else. When we don't like ourselves, we're like, well, I would feel better if I had longer legs. Well, I would feel better if I was married. Well, I'd feel better if, you know, I was started when I was younger. Well, I'd feel better if I was 10 pounds thinner. And the truth is you will not feel any different because self-confidence is an inside job. No one can give it to you. And the truth was, if it was about fame, money, good looks, who you're married to, where you get to be, all of the people that are in Hollywood would never deal with self-abandonment or self-rejection. They would never deal with suicidal thoughts or wanting to not be on the earth anymore. All of that would be filled in because that's one plus one equals two. But you know what? you'll find that many of them are even at a more desperate part in their life because the mirage of when I get there is over. Someone once said even in San Francisco that they should put Prozac in the water because of all the pain that's in the city. And I think about this reality in our lives. We, as believers in the church, have got to stop these narratives We've got to shut them down and say, no more. We are not going to say that somebody has it better than me. They might have certain things that are better, but, but I am still valuable. I'm still necessary. There is still room for me at the table. And until we shut that stuff down, it will continue because the world's narrative follows us around. And so we have got to be agents of change. We've got to rise to the occasion and say no more in our communities. Are we going to be clicky? Are we going to gossip? Are we going to look at somebody and think they have it better so that I don't have to show up? We've got to stop the mirage and say, I'm just like you. I look different. My skin is different. My hair is different. My age is different, but I bleed just like you. I, you are worthy and I am worthy. I fully like myself and you can fully like yourself. And the more, listen, when we get confident, confidence is, is contagious. And when we start to allow ourselves, it's like the other day I was in LA and we, were, we went to this new shop, I don't even know if I should say it because I feel like I'm marketing, but this, this company called Madewell. Have you ever heard of Madewell? Well, I hadn't heard of it, and I was like, I don't buy expensive jeans. I go to, like, Old Davey. Like, that's the jeans that I'm living in because my size changes all the time, and why buy expensive jeans when I can't wear them half the year? And so I was like, no, I'm not going to buy but they're like, just try it. So it was all packed, and so the girls go, just come into our dressing room, and in the dressing room you have myself who has four kids, and I'm 40 plus, and then you have another girl who's, like, in her 30s with two kids, and the other girl is, like, 20s, just engaged, and the other one is a grandma, and she has, like, all these, and all of us are taking our pants off. I'll tell you what, you get real honest when you take your pants off in front of everybody. It's like, well, I guess we're doing this. Okay. And there's nowhere to hide. There's four, three mirrors in there. It's like, if you want to see something, you can look. Like, there's mirrors but we're all getting ready and you just realize at that very moment it's just love it's even it's level we all have cellulite we all look different we all have cuteness we all don't have cuteness there are parts we love and parts we hate but but we're all just normal we're human come on and something about that like I don't want anyone to take their pants off right now but what I do want you to do is I want us to get normalized in our hearts to realize that no one is rocking this we're all on a journey to do this together, and we can do this together. So, comparison, I love 1 Corinthians 7 17, one of my favorite parts and narratives of this. It says, And don't be wishing you were someplace else or with someone else. Where you are right now is God's place for you. Live and obey and love and believe right there. I have, I have prophesied this to, me, this to me in the mirror. Have a lie. stop believing wishing you should be somewhere else or with someone else. Where you are is right where God has you. So just do it right there. If you can't do it here, you won't do it there. So do it here. Third is floating bitterness. Pursue peace with all people. Sorry, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. Pursue peace with all peoples and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. And then it gives us a warning. Verse 15. Listen, because we've all heard this. Pursue peace with people and holiness. We won't see the Lord. I want to see the Lord. And we sing these songs, but then it gives us a warning in verse 15. It says, looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness spring up, causing trouble. So what it means is, is be careful that no root of offense comes in. Because listen, bitterness doesn't, doesn't pick people. When you have bitterness, it touches everybody. When you have anger, it touches everybody. When you shut off, I love the thought, when you shut out the bad, you also shut out the good. And so it's critical here is to realize if you're bitter at your old church, guess what's coming into this church? We don't like it because we're like, no, I'm positive. How many of you know people that got married and they married the same person once they left their other person? Not always. That's not like a blanket statement, but at times... These things happen where we're trying to run from something and really we can't run from what's happening on the inside of us. We've got to deal with what's on the inside of us. And bitterness shows us that, that we, there's something that's in our heart that's affecting our whole body. Fourth is attitudes of superiority. So this is another internal sign. When I feel better than you, there's something in me that goes, I'm better than you. I'm more educated than you. I'm cuter than you. I'm richer than you, whatever it is. That, that attitude actually removes us from relationship and it shows us that we are still trying to um, fill in a void for what we have. In Proverbs uh, 21.4, I mean, it just gives it to us straight. It says, arrogance, superiority, and the pride are the fruits of wickedness. Anybody confused about what it might say? I think he's saying, like, you guys don't want to feel superior. It's the root of the enemy. It's not the root of God. And so you're going to have to rid it, and, rid, rid it from you. And also, I think superiority is taught by culture, and it's taught by generations. And if you have that in your legacy, then you're going to have to go after that and uproot that and say, I don't want that in my legacy going forward. I want to make sure that I'm uh, humble. And then lastly, and I think a lot of you came for this one thing because I talked about this a little bit, but the fifth one is perfectionism. And some of you are like, I'm a perfectionist. How could you say that this is a root of self-acceptance, like self-rejection? Like, how dare you talk about my perfectionism? That's like, I'm, I pride myself in my perfectionism. That, that's great. And I don't mean that we can't, we can't, ignore we we want to be excellent in the things that God's called us to so don't start being like that's why I don't try like I'm not I got I accept myself so much I never do a thing like no no stop (laughs) but this just shows us again these are all symptoms for roots that can show up as fruit in our life that we realize are not always just grounded in wanting to be excellent it's actually grounded in performance And when we try to perform for God, to get God's attention, to give us space in our lives, then we have a root of self-rejection. Jesus said it so clearly to the rich man. Remember, in Matthew chapter 19, he said to him, if you really want to be perfect, go immediately and sell everything you own. Could you imagine saying that to a perfectionist? (laughs) Okay, don't look around. Okay, so again, these are just symptoms. Now I'm sitting with you. Do you have any symptoms? Well, I have two, three. Okay, awesome. Well, I have one. Okay. The goal is just to expose the symptoms so that we're all in a level playing field. Don't feel like, oh, I feel guilty. Should I? We're all going to have signs of this at certain levels and measures in our life. That doesn't, it's not a a life sentence. It's just to show us where we still need to grow in self-acceptance and God acceptance in our lives. It just shows us that we still have some more work to do in order for us to be radically present to our purpose on the planet. And that's how it shows us. So these are the signs. Now, here's what I want us to read this again, this quote again by Henry Norwin. It says, self-rejection is the greatest enemy of the spiritual life because it contradicts the sacred voice that calls us beloved. Being the beloved constitutes the core truth of our existence. So what does God want us to do about all of this? Because we just exposed about 10 areas where many of us could be feeling pretty overwhelmed right now. Jeremiah 9.23 says, don't let the wise man brag in their wisdom, nor let the heroes brag of their exploits, nor let the rich brag of their riches. If you brag, if you must brag, all of you sanguins, brag in this and only this, that you understand and you know me. In order for me to be fully present to my purpose on the planet in order for me to have a radical love towards myself and a radical love towards you, then the, the core belief that we, that we have to have is that we are, we confidently know God, not about him, not what he wants, not what we should do, but we are in relationship with the one that created us because we cannot know our value unless we know the one that gave us our value. And our value cannot, we can't, we can't find it until he says, this is why I made you. This is why you look this way. This is why you act this way. This is why you're on the planet right now. Well, that concludes our teaching for today. Again, this is a three-part series. So if you kind of feel like, wait a minute, I jumped into the conversation and the conversation's not done. Yeah, you're exactly right. It's not. So make sure you uh, subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss the next Uh, quarter of this message. Um, It's been an incredible, really journey. And I hope you stick with us because we're going to drop a couple of these messages so that you get to know more of uh, the content of Leap to Love and hopefully have some radical life change. I love you guys. I'm always honored that you give me a few minutes of your time. And don't forget, subscribe, leave me a review so that other people can find this podcast. I know it sounds ridiculous. I used to hear this all the time on podcasts and I was like, geez, what do you need? More like affirmation? Don't you feel a enough. Well, that's not how the podcast world works. You have to leave a review and some stars so that it shows up on other people's podcasts. It's just how it works. It's the way that Apple does it. So if you would be so kind and leave me a review, leave me some stars. I promise to read every review, but mostly I just want other people to find it. So thanks for helping me. If that's how you can do it, then do it. Otherwise, I will see you next time. Have a great day.